Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Crowded Booth. We're here live at Cook's Place in Columbus, Georgia. And Matthew, what a day it has been. Uh, July 31st, it's a national holiday for Major League Baseball. Yeah. And, um, man, we were, we were sitting there. It's uh, trade deadline day. And um, at 4 p.m., everyone had to stop training. It seemed, seemed that it was kind of quiet on all fronts from around 2 to 3, 15. Yeah. And then 45 minutes, you saw about six or seven big trades go down. Now, before yeah. we get started... Uh, make sure to, if you're watching, follow us on all social media. That's um, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure if you want to just listen to audio, subscribe to us on iTunes as well. Once again, we're here at Cook's Place uh, in Columbus, Georgia. He was kind enough, Mr. Roy Cook. Uh, they have hot dogs, anything, anything you want, old-style diner. Uh, come and check it out. So first off, Matthew, we'll start here with you look at the trade deadline. It's an opportunity. Uh, it's a really big day of opportunity. A lot of teams wait till this day the 30th the 20, 29th, mm -hmm. 29th to the 31st wait to make a deal just to see what how the market is and well, then it's like a free agent frenzy and matthew was watching we were, had had the tv on and, and on twitter at the same time and it was just update after update coming in um we'll just go ahead and start getting some of the trades in your mind it kind of started with manny machado about a week ago yeah that was kind of the first domino fell but obviously i would say the biggest trade was probably him i mean mm -hmm. everyone knew that machado was going to be on the move but to see him um, go to a team like the Dodgers, right. which is a team with a big payroll, you told us a big payroll. Um, biggest in baseball. Biggest, I mean, yeah, you got the biggest payroll in baseball, a big market over there in LA. And then you combine, the with the, yeah, you combine that with the fact that they already, it's not like they had a need, necessarily a need for him. I mean, right. they're adding one of the best bats in the game to already a very potent lineup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that was, I mean, I know that was a week ago, but I would still say it's the biggest trade for the trade deadline because, I mean, one of the best two-way players in the league with his defense and his bat, I think that makes him one of the top players in the league. I think that's why that was such a big trade for them. And, you know, obviously, you know, they signed him in as a rental and they still get, what, four prospects and one of them being their number four prospect overall. So, you know, them still giving up a good bit of prospects for him, even for a rental, That's that just shows how high his value is and how, you know, the Dodgers are in the win-now mode. And playing for this year, especially with signing with mm -hmm. Brian Dozier um, and getting uh, John Axford from the Blue Jays at the very end of the trade deadline. Um, so that was a big pickup as well. And uh, obviously, like you said, you know, from 3.15 to about 4 o'clock, that's when all the big uh, trades happen. And like with Jonathan Shoot, that happened literally, I think, at like 3.59, 4 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And so that was like the last trade of him going to the Brewers and Jonathan Villar. Going back to the Orioles, and um, I read where Ken Rosenthal said that the Orioles saved about thirty to thirty-five million dollars in guaranteed money. So uh, Orioles gave a lot, but I think in return they got a good bit of prospects. They they can kind of start the rebuild, giving up Machado and Shoop, and kind of starting from the ground up. You know, giving away Gosman and kind of starting from scratch. You know, so. Yeah, you talk about the salary relief for them was big. If you look at the Dodgers lineup now, I mean, you got a bunch of guys. Where do you even put them? I mean, you got I mean, a guy like Manny Machado can come in and play shortstop or third. Mm -hmm. Corey Seager's obviously done for the year. Right. Um, and like you said, Machado's a rental, and that's another topic if he's going to come back or not. But you have right. him. You have a guy like Max Muncy in that lineup who mm -hmm. has just emerged. I mean, as a guy you we didn't even hear of in spring training, and then he burst onto the scene, kind of unseats Cody Bellinger. Right. Cody Bellinger not having the same year he did last year, that's because his year last year was that amazing. It was an unbelievable year for a rookie first base. 39 home runs. I mean, So you look at that lineup, I mean, it's hard not to say that they're the winner of a deadline right. deal. But you look at some other deals around the league, I mean, you talked about 
the Orioles. Okay, they traded Zach Britton. Zach Britton goes to the Yankees, who already had arguably the best bullpen in the league. They add Zach Britton, so your seven, eight, nine is going to be in no particular order. Whichever one you yeah, want that that exactly. night is Britton, uh, Batances, and Chapman, and that's in the playoffs. In the playoffs, the bullpen yeah, is really huge. really big to win the series, mm-hmm. and especially for like a team like the Dodgers, where they're using Kershaw. Like, un- I mean, how many times do you think they used him last year in that mm-hmm. in that national series? I mean, they brought him in. I feel like every other game, and I feel like the Yankees may have saw that and learned from that last postseason and now with all this bullpen help I mean yeah their start rotation is already good with Severino, Tanaka and Sonny Gray and you know so forth but I mean having that bullpen help saves that starting Mm -hmm. pitcher rotation even come playoff so I think that's what they wanted to load up on Um, and obviously with the payroll they have they don't have a problem paying players that come play for them with the amount of money they have. Yeah, that, that offense is dynamic. They have some guys that are banged up. Judge just going on the DL. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, would you stay within the AL East, the biggest storyline there is Yankees-Red Sox. I mean, they're right. facing off in a big series this weekend. Um, you saw them kind of match each other for trades, honestly, throughout the day, throughout the weekend. Right. Um, Nathan Eovaldi coming to Boston mm-hmm. from Tampa. I mean, t- teams were... They were just trying to make a deal just to counter or even block right. another player from getting there. Uh, Boston gets Ian Kinsler yesterday to kind of mm-hmm. give a veteran presence within. It's barely a young team in Boston. It's right. not the same Boston team that we're used to seeing with, you know, you think of the guys like uh, it was like when it was Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz. Mm-hmm. This is a young Boston team yeah. um, led by Mookie Betts, Ben Attendee, uh, Dabbers, Bogarts, Chris on the bump. I mean, then you bring in Ian Kinsler with Pedroia down. I think he can step in and be your everyday second baseman exactly. for as long as Pedroia is out and provides some veteran leadership. Yeah, and like I was just about to say, that, that veteran leadership and his defense is still pretty solid even at the age of 35. So um, I think they brought him in exactly for that leadership role, but also just another bat in the lineup. Um, I mean, I think they're, what, like 73 and 33. I mean, they're having a crazy run right now. But just adding that extra bat in the lineup yeah. while Pedroia is kind of banged up, um, and provide that veteran leadership role. I think that was huge for them. Um, I think they had a great trade deadline. Um, I think the Brewers, I mean, they probably have one one of the best, in my opinion, along with the Pirates. Uh, but adding, uh, you know, Moustakis and adding Shoup, I think that was huge for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the weak point for them will probably be their, their pitching. Um, I mean, they have good pitching, but their lineup is going to be lethal for whoever they you know play during the regular season and then come playoff time. One interesting thing that was going around, um, you look at the Brewers last year, they were kind of in contention, stayed pat at the deadline, didn't make any deals. Well, in the right. offseason they add uh, Christian Yelich mm-hmm. um, and Lorenzo Cain, and now they have been one of the either in first place or in second place or leading the wild card right. in the National League, and now I think they're more apt to make moves like that. Now you, you said like the pitching, the starting pitching test thing is going to be the only question mark heading mm-hmm. into postseason for them, but that lineup when you bring in a guy like Moustakis who, you know, he's not lighting the world on fire. Had a strong first couple months, but he has playoff experience. He has World Series right. experience. Uh, you bring in a guy like Shoup, a young young second baseman that can kind of uh, fill the void that was there for them. And they right. really don't have a lot of holes in that lineup. A good hitting team, a smart hitting team. Um, then you then you continue within the uh, if we go if you, in the NL. I mean, the Cubs they picked up Cole Hamels, a veteran mm, guy. Huge. So you're going to have two guys with. Tons of playoff experience and John Lester, former All Star. Yeah, former All Star. Now he's in his mid thirties. This is right. not the same Cole Hamels that was up in Philadelphia with their yeah. their run back in two thousand nine. So it'd be interesting to see how he fits in. I think he's starting tonight, right. um, actually, against the Red Sox, which will be interesting to to, to see how he does. Um, 
but you look at the Cubs, they made some moves. Oh, the Phillies play the Red Sox tonight. Phillies play the Red Sox, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, um, but yeah, Cole Hamels, he's going to get yeah. uh, ample opportunity to prove himself. I think exactly. he's mid-30s. We'll see what happens there. But you look at the NL Central as well. As we saw the Cardinals kind of not really make big moves, kind of sell off some pieces. Right. You saw a team that's been on fire lately in the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, mm -hmm. they're – we heard today seven games out of the Central, three and a half out of the wild card. We know the wild right. card's wild open. Right. Um, it's wide open. It's wide. I know. And I think that uh, when you look at that and you, and you say, okay, do we have, as a front office, do we have a legitimate shot? They're able to go out and get Chris Archer. One thing that, from Tampa Bay, one thing that I liked about it is that they're trading former top prospects right. for a former top ace. So, honestly, it was an evenly balanced trade. The Rays are able to offload uh, Chris Archer and, and get some – kind of a buy low um, right. kind of guys in uh, Austin Meadows and uh, Todd Glass now. And, you know, you never know what can happen there. But the Pirates get their number one guy. Which yeah. is, but it's interesting to me because if you think about it, okay, the Pirates are seven games out of the Central. I don't think they expected to be playing like this because they they traded Garrett Cole mm -hmm. in the offseason and Andrew McCutcheon, two, exactly. two guys that probably at this point Face they're thinking the yeah they're thinking we wish we really had those guys back so that's interesting but they made a move to get a num another number one right um kind of gave them some pieces but i you know they felt that that's what they needed to get and um i think archer will benefit from not being in al east right uh, not having to go up against the red sox and yankees and glasnow was probably one of the pirates top regarded prospects as far as pitching goes along with meadows who had a good bat in that lineup so um, I think it was kind of a high-risk, high-reward for them, but I think it was what they needed as mm -hmm. far as their rotation goes because, I mean, they, were they going like an 11- or 12-game win streak and kind of brought themselves back in a wild-card contention. I think they're only six, five, six games back, so it's not completely out for them. So I think they're still trying to win now and kind of get in that wild-card spot, but I think it was a really good move for them to go after Archer, getting that, that top of the rotation type guy, especially after giving away Cole in the offseason. So I think that was a good trade for them. But uh, lots of going around the league, Braves. Yeah, the, you look at the stay in the NL. Um, you look at the NL East, and it's kind of a dogfight. And I think after the deadline, it's kind of understood the Nationals are going to roll with what they have. I mean, they right. feel like on paper, which on paper they have a great team. Mm -hmm. They can get everyone healthy. We'll see if they can make a run. They're currently, I think, five and a half out of first place. Right. So they're not out of it yet. Not even close. You look at you look at that. So they're going to try to make a run. But the Braves and Phillies made moves. And it's been an interesting situation all June and July. Is mm -hmm. These are young teams that don't really want to sell the farm for anyone, but right. definitely understand they need to make moves to have an impact in the postseason. Right. And, and uh, I think they are both teams are definitely exceeding expectations. Mm -hmm. um, that's one thing we talked about in our previous episode with uh, Braves radio reporter Kevin McAlpin. He's like, you know, the Braves did not necessarily thought they were going to be here. They hoped to be in this position. Right. And so having to kind of, uh, on a whim kind of say, okay, now we're buyers here at the deadline, exactly. which has, cannot be said for Braves fans. They right. have not been able to see a deadline where they've actively. But the Braves got active late. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of the things uh, you see on, on social media was that they seem to have a – this. they seem to have this thing where no rumors really leaked. I mean, you look at the first trade was Johnny Venters bringing him back in. Feel, oh, feel, good, feel good story, but yeah. still effective. I mean, yeah, he, he's, the, he's dominated against the left. He's a guy that can kind of take the pressure off a guy like Sam Freeman, who is we've, – we've talked about it. Sam Freeman's been worked for Braves fans. I mean, he has been a guy that is – Which is crazy because he was good last year, mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden this year he's just yep. fallen off the map, which has been kind of sad to see. But, I mean, he's – but, yeah, and I think picking up Venters is good. Brad Bach, we saw him. 
pitch uh, last night. He threw hard. Threw, threw hard, made Prado look silly on a slider. So, I mean, he's got good stuff. I think there's a lot of promise there. But I think Gosman, I think a change of scenery, getting out of the AL East where you're facing nothing but power hitters and guys like Judge, Mookie Betts. And, in a hitter-friendly park in exactly. Camden Yards in Baltimore, to be able to get out of that, well, like you said, I mean, a sometimes it's a change of scenery guy. And this is not to throw anything out there that you think is like, oh, this is prediction. But the la I told you this, the last 27-year-old pitcher who wasn't pitching well in Baltimore they got traded was Jake Arrieta. And he benefited from a change of scenery. And sometimes that all, that's all it takes for yeah. guys is – Kind of a fresh start where they don't feel the pressure. I mean, you're looking at Gosman. He was a uh, first-round pick, a number four overall pick out of LSU. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was supposed to be the savior for that franchise. Right. Didn't pan out. Right. So now he moves into another situation where he doesn't have as much um, pressure. Right. So I think also with the pitching staff, you've seen guys like Fulte develop. You've seen guys like Newcomb develop. That pitching staff and um, the pitching, pitching, just the whole pitching staff can garner around them. Uh, the coaching staff maybe developing into something that. Uh, wasn't wasn't there in Baltimore, but I think they made that big move that kind of gives them a controllable starter, which they really right. uh, they really sought after. Then you have Adam Duvall. I mean, Adam Duvall is a guy who has hit thirty plus thirty home runs for the past two seasons. Mm -hmm. He's not a guy that necessarily hits for average, no. but when you look at him, he's going to necessarily he'll hit for power and he's a plus defender. Right. Um, with all across the board, and I think it's a good pickup. You look at what they gave up. They gave up Matt Whistler, Lucas Sims, and. Um, Preston Tucker. So you look at that, okay, in Braves' front office opinion, you had Matt Wisler, kind of a guy never really lived up to the hype that he was coming over in that Kimball trade. And then you have a guy like um, Lucas Sims, who is a local product, but just never really materialized. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, for the Reds, I mean, that's something they can buy low on. They're rebuilding. Um, something they buy low on. If it works out, it doesn't. Right. If not, then they got something back. I think that when you have also Preston Tucker, kind of a Lefty, and I think that's one of the odd things about him is that he was a left-handed bat. They necessarily don't need any more left-handed bats. So I think he was just the odd man out, good player, maybe can develop. Well, into an a couple of player. games at the beginning of the season. Clutch has some power, but I think Adam Duvall is going to step in. And right. um, you were talking earlier, and you can talk more about it. What do you think his role with Atlanta will be? Um, well, I think uh, like Alex Anthopoulos already talked about uh, that when left-handed pitchers, you know, when we're facing left-handed pitchers, you'll see a kind of move over to center and Duvall playing left. Also, they said, you know, in Cincinnati, and as we saw him play, he was in left, he was in right, he played first, he played third. So kind of a super utility guy that has a lot of power, which is you don't see a lot. But I think if he can just hit for about 250, 260 and hit, you know, I mean. He's already got 15 He's already home got 15 home runs. So as long as he can, like, hit some, hit some more homers, obviously, and just provide that power that we need in the middle of the lineup, which we – have really struggled to see. I mean, we have two guys above 15 home runs on the club, Ozzie and Freddie. Other than that, there's not another guy who has above 15 homers. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have Marcakis in the cleanup spot, and he has like 10 or 11 home runs. So yeah. that's not your typical cleanup not guy. Not a typical power lineup. And exactly. If, then if you look up, flip over to the Phillies, I mean, they had their off-season acquisition. Their two big guys were Carlos Santana, a power bat, exactly. and Jake Arrieta. Mm -hmm. They make some moves. They get as Drupal Cabrera from the Mets to kind of fortify that shortstop position that's been kind of off right. and on. But I think it's interesting to see both teams, the Braves making some deals to get some people, and the Phillies as well to try to strengthen their chances as we enter the dog days of August, the stretch run here for the playoffs to see who's going to battle out. Because if you're the NL East, if you look at the standings, the records 
and they don't least they're close, but compared to the central, they're, they'd be trailing in the wild card. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it's going to depend on these two teams realize, hey, we're going to have to win this division to be able to make yeah. the playoffs. And just to circle back to the Gosman trade, you know, with Fulte and Newcomb, I think the two, and, and Toronto as well, the problems that you see with them is their control sometimes. Like, they strike out a lot of guys, they don't mm-hmm. give them a lot of runs, but the things you see, they walk a lot of people. Yeah. And Gosman's strikeout to walk ratio is pretty incredible. I think it was like 104 to 32 or something like mm-hmm. that. So to see, to bring in a guy that has a lot of control and has a lot of upside as he was drafted number four by... And still only 27. And still only 27. And they have two years of contractual control, I believe, mm-hmm. on him. So I think getting those extra two years on him and bringing in a guy that doesn't walk a lot of guys, I think that was huge for us. Mm-hmm. And so it, we didn't really give up a whole lot. Obviously, Encarnacion was a highly tired prospect, and I know you saw him when he was in Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Lucas Sims and Tucker, or not Tucker, but with Lucas Sims and Whistler, I think we were able to see like mm-hmm. what they were able to bring to the table. And yeah, they were good in double-A, triple-A, but never really panned out in the majors. But uh, to see that, um, I think, that he, he can really provide a spark with us. And I think, like I said, a change of senior. I know sometimes that doesn't really happen in a positive way for uh, some pitchers, but uh, I think for him it could pan out just coming to a new club that's winning, that's only a half game back in the division. I think that could be good for him. Yeah, these guys are going to come into their new teams and uh, see what happens. We flip back over to the American League. Um, really the only team, this can talk about this real quick, only team in the AL Central is the Indians. the Indians. I mean, and they made a big trade getting Brad Hand uh-huh. um, from uh, San Diego. And right. Really, he was the top reliever on the market. Exactly. Lefty, he's a guy that can get both sides out, though, righties and lefties. So he's a guy that you can leave in there when they bring up a pinch hitter. And so I think that was big for them to to be able to, to say, okay, we can, we can hand a guy hand a guy the ball in the, in the end of the game and know it's in good hands. Andrew Miller coming back from injury. Leonis I mean, Martin. Yeah, Leon, I mean, they get Leonis Martin as well, play center field, kind of a yeah. black hole for them. They kind of all have that division kind of wrapped up. I mean, it's, yeah, the pitching's I mean, the, there, the lines top to bottom. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, we Corey Kluber anchoring the staff, uh, Carlos Carrasco. So that team, I think, they made some some small moves to fill holes. Exactly. You go to the AL West, and recently we were hearing today, you know, the Houston Astros. I think it's just been this foregone conclusion. Of they're winning in the West. We'll see them in the, at least in the ALCS. We'll see them there against the Yankees and Red Sox. They've lost their last five games. They've um, been, been struggling. Game. Brought the Mariners back into it, and Mariners GM has not been afraid to make trades. Uh-huh. It's, uh, Jerry Depoto over there uh, bringing in um, Zach Duke and, and another reliever as well, two relievers, and fortifying um, their starting pitching with the last-minute trade for Mike Fears from Detroit. He comes over to Seattle. And so, like, you look at the Mariners trying to make some trades. They get Cameron Mabin to come play center field who, right. from, from Miami. That moves D. Gordon back down to second base. Um, they're trying to make a push there. The Angels – Traded Kinsler away. I mean, they got the best player in baseball. We'll see what they can do the rest of the way. But I think the Astros made some moves as well, and weren't probably the most controversial move of the whole of the whole deadline. Uh, getting Roberto Asuna yeah. from the, Toronto, which is an interesting topic that we'll leave we'll leave, we'll leave the topic along um, with the, how their uh, team works and, and the front yeah. office works. But they kind of get a back end guy. Sent out Ken Giles wasn't really working for him. Right. So as we've looked at. A lot of the trades, what would you say your biggest winner um, from these deals would be? I got to go with the Machado trade to the Dodgers. I mean, I know they're already stacked and before they got him, but like bringing in that, that the best two way player in the league, 
you say Arenado, Machado, one of those guys, but I mean that's a huge bat in their lineup, especially replacing Seeger, mm-hmm. who had that freak, you know, arm injury, had to have Tommy John surgery. So I think bringing him in, bringing Dozier in at the corner slot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, and then bringing when Justin Turner comes back off the DL, that's going to be a lethal lineup. And so we'll see what happens. But I mean, I think. They're easily going to have one of the best lineups in the league. Yeah, we had a question on Twitter asking, is that going to be the best infield ever? I mean, Max Muncy over there at first. Then, like you said, when Turner comes back, Bellinger can fill in at first as well. Then you would Dozier at second, when Turner, Turner at third, and Machado at short. And don't even forget you have a gold glove. Um, some would say maybe an MVP candidate in Corey Seager, who's on the disabled list. I mean, that team is absolutely loaded with talent. And I agree. I mean, they're most likely a winner. My winner is probably going to – I'm going to look at uh, – I like the Yankees. I think they made some good additions. They got Jay Happ, yeah. a starter who um, is going to fill in and just kind of goes out there and goes and does his job. I mean, people forget he was an all-star. Yeah. He was an all-star with last Toronto. Year. Um, I think it was last year. Yeah, he was an all-star with Toronto. And so – uh, he goes out there and is consistent. I think it's what that pitching rotation needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Severino at the top, but Tanaka, Sabathia have kind of been a little bit inconsistent, so having a guy that you can hand the ball to right. in like a game two or a game three that you know can get the job done, you know he's going to give you six or seven innings as big. Mm-hmm. I think you look as well with the, the addition of um, the bullpen. I mean, that bullpen is, is it's unreal. I mean, getting Zach Britton. And Zach Britton necessarily is not the Zach Britton of old, but he's getting there. That's yeah, one of the exactly. reports that have been saying that Zach Britton is getting there. And so Surrounding him, yourself with that talent. Like, I mean, if, if you don't, if you're down in the sixth inning, you might as well pack your bags and, and go head back to the hotel <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> because you're not going to get a chance with Britton, uh, Batanzas, and Aroldis Chapman. So I think that when you have just a bullpen like that that you can hand the ball to, uh, Aaron Boone's going to have the luxury of giving just yeah. picking a guy just. I mean, throw a dart and, mm-hmm. and on the wall and pick and pick a guy for Game Six of the World Series, and you got to feel like you're in pretty good hands. Right. When you have as, as well the Brewers, Brewers also a winner to me because I, I agree because that offense is lethal. I mean, they had Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, uh, Jesus They're Aguilar, with Hatter and Knievel or Knievel, however you say it. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a great bullpen. I think literally the only missing piece they have in that on that team is a starting pitching. So wouldn't say they have necessarily like a guy, and we talked a lot about this um, before the show, a guy that you can put in game one and say okay. But the thing is, those people, some fans believe those guys grow on trees, and they and they don't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to me, there's a few guys that you can throw in a game seven of World Series and say I know he's going to give me, he could possibly give me eight or nine innings. And right. that's a guy like Kershaw, a guy like a healthy Scherzer. Baumgartner, Scherzer, Verlander. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot. Chris Sale. There's a lot of guys that you're like, maybe, and I don't think the Brewers have anybody honestly close to that. I mean, they have a guy like Chase Anderson, uh, Jimmy Nelson. They have guys that could possibly, possibly do it. Young and inexperienced. Young and inexperienced. And I think that's going to be one of the things that the Cubs made the deal for Cole Hamels because they have a ton of experience in that rotation. Yeah. And uh, that's going to be interesting to see that NL Central battle come down. And uh, you talked about the NL West. I mean, the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks are obviously there. Yeah. Uh, the Padres making some interesting moves as well. We're not really sure what they're doing. Deepman um, going to the Diamondbacks, that was huge for them. Yeah, a lefty reliever from Texas who mm-hmm. uh, definitely make his presence felt yeah. um, over there in the West. But uh, Yeah, I think when you look at those teams, you have to say, okay, these teams separate themselves. Now, for losers, what do you, who do you feel like maybe swung and missed on a deadline or maybe didn't do something they should have or didn't do anything at all and it was a mistake? Before, well, I was going to, if the Braves wouldn't have, I wouldn't say the Braves would have been losers necessarily without that Gosman trade just mm-hmm. because they didn't give up anything for Duvall. 
and you know, obviously, then getting um, getting Darren O'Day and Gosman, I think that was icing on the cake for the Braves to kind of put them over the threshold. Because last week, compared to now, the team that we have now, I think it's way better in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And we didn't give up any of our top ten prospects, which the is what we're most scared. Fact with the fact that the Braves were unable, or the Packs were able to give up not really any of those top pitching prospects that everyone's probably tired of hearing about yeah. is really a big move and patched up some holes and said, I mean, pretty much the front office said, we believe this team is good, and I, I believe so too. I mean, this team is good enough right. to really make a run, and um, they got a controllable starting pitcher. But I'm, I'm sure in the offseason they'll try to make some bigger moves. I think. Um, and the Nats not doing anything. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. A loser for me is the Nationals because you're taking a big risk. You're five and a half out. I mean, trading Bryce Harper is hard. I understand that. But it's not trying to sell off guys like a Gio Gonzalez, maybe um, some pieces here and there, like maybe a Daniel Murphy to a team. I mean, I just think that come back. Who hasn't been the Daniel Murphy that they signed him for? Yes, and so I think that come can come back to haunt him. And like we talked about, they could lose Harper for nothing. I mean, he could walk away with with nothing but um, a, a pick, you yeah. know, that they could get if they offer him that qualifying offer. And you saw what the Orioles did. I mean, they knew Machado wasn't going to be bad next year, <laughs> so they got the Dodgers' number four prospect and three other prospects. So. I think it's just kind of like putting that wall down. Just, okay, we're going to have to give this guy up, or else we're going to just walk, let him walk away for free mm-hmm. because when yeah. we let him walk away, we're not going to get anything returned. So you're going to get a top five prospect from somebody's team from trading Bryce Harper because he's just that good. He's a, I don't even know what trade offer player. you could – you would be selling the farm for him. Oh, yeah, Completely. absolutely. You'd have to give your entire average, single I know his team. average isn't there this year, but we know the talent is there. We've seen And, and the general managers know that. General yeah. managers know what they're getting in Bryce Harper. It's just exactly. a different – an outlier year. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, so the trade deadline was a crazy one. It was a fun-filled one, and it's going to set up um, just a very interesting August and fun September. Fun division matchups. Fun division battles the rest of the way. I know uh, the Braves haven't played the Phillies in like three months. They're going to sit there and play them about – Four times. Who also took up Wilson Ramos? Yeah, Wilson Ramos as well. Kind of a very the best offensive catcher in the game mm-hmm. this season. Um, but it's an interesting deadline, and um, it'd be interesting to see how these teams uh, fare out in the end, and if these rentals were really worth it. Um, but thanks for joining us once again. This is Cooks Hot Dogs here in Columbus, Georgia, alongside Matthew Lang. I'm Bryce Coon. Thank you for tuning in for our MLB Trade Deadline Recap Show. Um, it's been a fun one. It was crazy. Matthew's phone was blowing up. But, uh, <laughs> make sure to follow us on all social media for the latest episodes and all the news. It's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes as well to hear the audio. Thanks for joining